I wonder if you would say that you have a defining story, or if you have some defining stories, if there are moments, experiences, things you've gone through in your life, whether they be easy or difficult, that have shaped you in such a way that you would say, that is a turning point, that is a, des- a defining story for me and my family and my community, and can you identify that? For the Jewish people, this story, this Exodus moment, was their defining story. For the Jewish people, as they look back, it's still their defining story. And this is that moment we just heard. Now, they were a people before the Exodus. They had a story before the exodus. The exodus now is in the rearview mirror, but once it was on the horizon. How do we know when we're standing in a moment like that? How do we know when we're standing in the moment before the moment? I wonder if a thousand years from now, the moment that will really define you as people look back on your life, what if, it, what if it hasn't happened yet? What if the moment that will really be known as your defining moment is a moment that is still on the horizon? What if it's a moment that hasn't happened yet? How do we know when we're standing in that moment? In the moment before the moment. Several years ago, there was a Gwyneth Paltrow movie. I don't remember much about it. It's called Sliding Doors. I just remember the premise. And the premise was, at some point early in the movie, she's trying to get to the subway station. She's trying to reach a train. And what happens beyond that moment is the movie begins to unfold for you what would go on in her life if she gets on the train or if she gets there a little bit late and isn't able to make it on that particular train car. It's about the possibilities, and it's also about the moment before the moment. And I'm interested this morning, as we look at this text, and as we think about our own lives, in the moment before the moment, because those moments matter too. Because as one author has said, we hear the call of God not after the sea has opened before us. The call comes not after the way is clear, but while it still seems impassable. The call comes not when we have everything figured out and settled and made certain, and not when all the obstacles have been removed, but before. When chaos and uncertainty and turmoil prevail, and when the tumultuous sea shows no sign of parting. Only in that impossible, uncertain, disruptive place does a new depth of faith in God mysteriously become possible. It's in that moment before the moment. But these moments, the moments especially before the moments, can be quite scary, right? Sometimes it's in the moment before the defining moment that we find ourselves like these Israelites imagining all the negative things that might happen if we do this thing. And then we get paralyzed and in our paralysis we fail to dream about 
the things that might not happen if we don't. Now, you might be living in one of those moments right now. There's a thing that you need to do. You've known it. You've even wanted it. But you're scared. And if you are, if you find yourself now in one of those moments, in a moment before the moment, there may be something in this story here for you this morning. What I want to do is have us reflect on it. There are a lot of things we could reflect on, but what I want to do is share a few things. Three works really nice for a sermon. A few things that I noticed as I looked back at the moment before the moment in this story about the Exodus in Exodus 14. And here's what I saw, and you can look in your own Bible too if you want to. The first thing that really jumped out at me is in verses 10 and 11, where it says that as the Egyptian army drew near, the Israelites looked back, and in great fear they cried out to the Lord, and then they said to Moses, was it that there were no graves in Egypt, that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us? Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt to leave us alone and let us serve the Egyptians because it's better to serve them than to die in the wilderness? Notice, they are freaking out. Notice, they are anxious. Notice, in this moment, they are worried. They are terrified. And for good reason, the Egyptian army is closing in on them. But they are also, in the midst of their fear, engaging in a bit of revisionist history. Because if we look back in the story, what we'll see is that long before God brought Moses into their lives, they'd been crying out, for God to deliver them from this situation for over 400 years. They were now getting from God exactly what they said they wanted, just not in the way they wanted it. Now, can you resonate with that? Getting from God, maybe as you look back, exactly what you said you wanted, but when you got into the moment before the moment, or even in the moment, it wasn't wasn't quite the way you wanted it. It reminds me, as I think about it, of almost every trip I have taken with my family to the promised land. And for the sake of today, I would say that the promised land usually is something like a trip to Disney World or a trip to their grandparents, which in their mind is effectively the same thing. They long for these trips. They look forward to these trips. They dream about these trips. They talk about these trips over and over and over again. What it will be like to be in that moment, to be at that destination. And yet, I've noticed something. I've noticed that when the day comes to leave, it's not always joyful getting everyone in the car. And, and I've, I've also noticed that before we even get out of Missouri... Sometimes before we even get out of Kansas City, the trip becomes too long and they want to go back. How long, oh dad? How many times have we done this? How long will it be? Let's just go back. How long? Because when you're going to grandparents' houses or when you're going to something like Disney World, it's kind of like going on a bear hunt, right? You've read the book. There's sometimes a barrier in the way, and you know that you can't go around it, you can't go over it, you can't go under it, you just have to go through it to get there. 
But we don't want to. We want Scotty to beam us up past the moment. We want to get there, get on the other side of the hard stuff now. And if we can't have that, sometimes we don't want to have anything at all. We can do hard things, right? But we don't want to. We have a hard time in those moments, before those hard moments, thinking about anything other than our discomfort and our fear. We want to we turn back. We want to go in the other direction. We want to run away. We want to start looking around and blaming others for putting us in this uncomfortable situation. This situation that, while difficult, may be the beginning of something really, really freeing and good. I notice this about the Israelites as they're turning on Moses here and blaming him for putting them in this difficult situation which would actually turn out to be a defining one. When this happened, God responds to this like an unswayed parent, keeping the destination in view, driving them forward to freedom, ironically first by telling them, to be still. Now this is the second thing that really stood out to me about this story, about the moment before the moment. This is the second thing that God told them to be still. Verse 13 and 14, But Moses said to the people, notice this, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you shall never see again. And then here's the key verse. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to keep still. Now, don't you love that? The Lord will fight for you. You have only to keep still. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to keep still. We could put that on a Christian t-shirt. We could make some money selling that thing. You could put that on a mug. You could stencil it on your living room wall. It would make a nice little moment for people to look over at. You can sticky note that thing and put it in your office. Look at it every day before the day begins. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to keep still. Though I do need to let you know, and I don't really enjoy doing this, that this is not actually a hallmark moment. But it's actually a moment that is more like one of those moments you may have experienced on a long trip with bickering children, and adults for that matter. Because the real sense of this verse is not really, hey, just stand here and be still and I'm going to fight for you, but it's more like, hey everybody, could you please keep quiet so I can't hear myself think? See, be still here doesn't really mean don't move. It means don't move your mouth. God is telling them not to shut down, but to shut. In a poetically beautiful way, they are being invited to be silent before the power of God. But in a crass and literal way, they are being told, could you just please stop talking for a minute? Pull yourselves together. Wait. Watch. Stop blaming and shaming and giving advice. It's going to work out, but I need you to be quiet just for a second so that I can help you do the thing I brought you here to do with you. Sometimes 
when we're spiraling, you know what that is? Sometimes when we're spiraling in our fear and anxiety, we just need to stop and take a breath. To breathe in and to breathe out. We need to be quiet for a moment, not just to stew in our minds about all the things that could go wrong, but to sit and realize we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. We may be uncomfortable. We may have hard things ahead of us, but we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Because we're with God, and God is with us, and God is moving and working, and God needs us to pull ourselves together for a moment and quiet down and to begin moving with God too. And this is the third thing I noticed about the moment before the moment in this story. For them to experience the exodus, their defining story, they needed to take a breath and they needed to stop spiraling and they needed to calm down and be quiet and they needed to move forward not only in faith but also with God in their fear. Sometimes we don't get to get over our fears before it's time for us to move forward in faith. Elizabeth Gilbert in her book Big Magic Creative Living Beyond Fear wrote that whenever fear pops up in her life, she doesn't try to ignore it or sweep it under the rug, but instead makes space for it. Sounds like a very therapist thing to do. She says, I cordially invite fear to come along with me wherever I go. I even have a welcoming speech, she says, prepared for fear which I deliver right before embarking on any new project or big adventure. Now, in her speech in the book, Elizabeth uses the word creativity when she's talking about her companion for this big adventure, which works for her as a writer, but for our purposes today, I would like to replace her word creativity with the word spirit. The word spirit, Holy Spirit. And so Elizabeth's speech with this one change goes like this. See if you can follow it. Dearest fear, the spirit and I are about to go on a road trip together. I understand you'll be joining us because you always do. Apparently your job is to induce panic whenever I'm about to do anything interesting. And may I say you are superb at your job. But understand this. The Spirit and I are the only ones who will be making any decisions along the way. I recognize and respect that you are part of this family fear, and so I will never exclude you from our activities, but you are not in control. You are allowed to have a seat. You are allowed to have a voice, but you are not allowed to have a vote. You are not allowed to touch the road maps or the GPS or suggest detours. You are not allowed to fizzle with the temperature. You are not allowed to touch the radio. But above all else, you are absolutely forbidden to drive. And then she says, we head off, me and the spirit and fear, advancing into the terrifying but marvelous terrain of unknown outcome. 
It isn't always comfortable or easy, but it's always worth it because if you can't learn to travel alongside your fear, then you'll never be able to go anywhere interesting. If you can't learn to travel alongside your fear, you'll never end up going anywhere interesting. Now this is true for her, it's true for us, and it's also true for these Israelites. That in their fear... In their anxiety, they had decided there was only two options. They only had two options, one thing or the other. Two options. The Israelites thought, we either stay in slavery or we die in the wilderness. But these were not the only two possibilities. They needed instead to move forward. In faith and with their fear, because if they didn't move, they were going to miss the miracles waiting for them ahead. The miracle that would happen when the very thing they thought was a barrier to their future and freedom became the pathway to it. A path toward the experience that would positively define their story forever, for all future generations. Now I wonder if you might find yourself right now in a moment like this. Perhaps a moment before the moment. There's a risk you need to take. There's a conversation you know, you have known that you need to have. There is forgiveness you need to ask for or grant. There is a conflict or a question or an issue that you or we need to work through. You're standing in the moment before the moment with all kinds of fear. I wonder how that fear is manifesting for you. I'd like to give that fear some space right now. I'd like for us to be quiet and I'd like for us to name that. And I would like for us, as the choir sings this blessing over us, to consider what it would mean for you to move forward with your fear in faith.
Now, in interpreting these texts over the centuries, Jewish rabbis have tried to do what Hollywood cinema movie makers sometimes do as well with these stories, and that is fill in the gaps. And they try to fill in the gaps with what's called midrash. And there's a, there's a midrash tell about this story that suggests that the waters did not part with one sweep of Moses' hand. And that the winds did not blow the waters apart at all until the people started wading in. With water in front of them and Pharaoh's army behind them, they tied up their robes, they took off their sandals, and they waded hip deep into the waters of their fear. In other words, in other words, they put their fear in the back seat and they started moving forward. And it was then and only then that the waves began to part. And it was then and only then that the water began to recede, that a slow path forward began to emerge. Now you've already started praying about the steps that God is calling you to make and to take. As we take these steps toward the table this morning, May those steps also for you serve as symbolic steps that you will also take in faith toward the future God is calling you into. May this be a moment when quietly you begin to wade into whatever water God is laying before you and before us. We do that now prayerfully as we come to the table. Holy God, we pray that you would help us to be present to you. Be present with our fear. Be present in faith. Be present to your spirit that is present here with us and help us to hear and see and sense what it is you are calling us toward and help us to see and hear and sense your presence among us. Comforting us as we wade into the waters of fear and faith in response to your forward call into the future. God, may we sense your stirring as we receive this bread and this 